Be brave enough to fight off despair. If you're a Gundam pilot, a new type, you can do it. Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we are coming to you with Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zeta episodes 14 and 15, the Moon Moon Saga, as it were. We have with us Scotty P. Moon Crystal Power Makeup, bitches. Light Trap Wood and Luke. I can't stop thinking about the uh, Moon Moon, the unintelligent husky memes every time we talk about this unintelligent husky memes yeah i can't say the word that i actually meant there so unintelligent it is i see the um, challenged uh husky I, look I it up. through that part but yeah i'd have to look up the uh, the rest of it huh um it's funny like this this these two episodes uh aren't the greatest but like they kicked off a lot of, uh, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. Like, they, they created this whole colony and th- things where now there's, like, the Moon Gundam and, like, the whole uh, manga and everything like that. That um, You know why? For- you know why? Because for as much... I I don't I mean okay like pacing wise in the series I get why people would not like these episodes because they take everything that was already not happening and grind it to a further screeching halt this could have been one episode Um, sure but I mean even just the general plot progression here is is nothing more or less but but these two, I think, are Tomino flexing a little bit of his imaginative, like, hard sci-fi brain a little bit, which is, look, you know, I know there's, like, Aztec ninjas and stuff. It's it's a unique flavor of that, but I think there's a lot here to like. There's, there's, you said it could have been one episode. I think this also could have been five Oh yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, if they yeah. if it had been paced better, um it could have been yeah, like a whole arc almost, yeah. 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 Uh they didn't do that. I'm sure Sunrise wouldn't let them. It would not shock me. I don't think we'll ever learn this, but it would not shock me to hear that it was planned longer and Sunrise, you want to do what? <laughs> you want to have a stopover where and do what in this mm. And, and the, the the new suit can't fly around in space and look cool. Mm. <laughs> so, episode fourteen, the Phantom Colony. Good, good title. Yeah, that's pretty Spoiler, good. Spoiler: They're both both called that. Part one and part two. Um, Bright and Emery. Uh, she is still not named at this point, by the way. <laughs> this is the uh, point where I had to look up her name on the internet because yeah. I went, who, who she, was this? She gets named about halfway through this episode. And I had to go around because my first note says, Bright and the Lavian Rose's female engineer <laughs> are in an awkward floating position. You where know, they're like, You know the one. 
Yeah, like, um, yeah. So like, they're like floating around and like they tumble on each other and they both get blush faces and um, they're cle clearly sexual tension. And Bright is a good father and husband. I know that you're married and and, and taking good care of your children right now, but uh, let's, uh, let's go for a space tumble. I'm not sure she knows that yet. You you wouldn't know. And Bright is a war hero. Bright is Bright and the whole white base were war heroes. I feel like everybody knows Bright married somebody on you know one of the other new types on the white base. I'm not gonna let him have the benefit of the doubt. I'm not giving it to him this time. I'll give it to him when he's slapping kids, but not when he's cheating on his wife. I was he, saying, he I, I don't think she wants. I was saying I don't think he's he's told her that, even though she probably knows. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Totally his fault. <laughs> um, so the Argama runs up on an old Sweetwater type colony. We learned one of the older types of colonies uh, that looks like a floating piece of junk. Well, it turns out the floating piece of junk actually isn't the colony. It was just something that was between them. Right. Um, so <laughs> what they. Yeah, okay. Is bad um, narration here. So what you're seeing, so what uh and this is actually uh yeah, the the dialogue here doesn't convey what's happening very clearly. You really have to look and think about it and then even watch it again maybe. Uh and and maybe even google some things. But what Emery is explaining is that they are in a shoal zone from where the first sweetwater type colony was built. So let's stop here and put a bookmark in things. We are not going to see a Sweetwater type colony. What that kind of colony is, is basically a refugee colony. Uh, and Sweetwater will come up again way later, and they'll say that term, and I don't think in any Gundam they ever fucking explain it at any point. God damn it. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... Yeah, it's, it's weird to just drop the term, but what they also could just be referring to here is that the actual colony that they found, which is a Bernal Sphere or type, or uh, excuse me, Island One type colony, which is something, uh, it's not quite like the stuff at Side 3, the closed end cylinder, but it's not like the open cylinders uh, in the other sides. Um, so, but we'll, we'll see it because Moon Moon is that type of colony. Uh, but what they're picking up at first, they think, is so it's like this... Um, it looks like this rock with scaffolding and stuff on it. And basically that's when you're doing colony construction, you're usually using asteroids and space rocks and stuff to construct them. So you're going to be getting stuff off of those and taking it and processing it wherever. And you're out in mobile workers doing stuff. So uh, whatever that rock was, was at some point some kind of staging ground or facility or it's just junk left over. But because it's all they can see at first, um, you know that's that's all you get and i think it's also a uh maybe clumsy way of trying to tell us that they're on the far side of the moon so you you know the the transmission needs to be kind of direct i don't know i'm not sure if that's what they're going for or if that's me trying to get into the head of of who made this clumsy narration of what's happening yeah. i think that i mean i think bottom line regardless of how you how how you can explain it like i think your explanations are right but i also think it was just bad narration so you or see this said, rock that you think is the colony and it's not the colony or, or they said oh make them confused just like the people on the argama eh. yeah yeah anyway 
So they get a message. Yeah, it's on an open channel. It's from the light tribe of Moon Moon. And they invite the Argama to join forces to lead them to a better way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Argama is like, we can get resupplied here, right? <laughs> we, we can get more weapons, right? Yeah, because, well, they, they do finally see it at this point, right? The junk rock thing floats away. And it looks like a really nice one. Yeah, and uh, Bright is asking Emery about it at this point. She says Anaheim has a whole file on it. Um, Some phantom colony of Anaheim has a big file on it. But anyway, um, it's a colony that maintains total independence. um, And it would have supplies. So Bright's like, all right, we're going. Yep. So they, they launch and dock into the moon moon colony but and are the argama they have to undock from levy and rose yeah yeah they allow the argama to dock uh said, and those those military industrial complex industrialists they have to go they can't come here they just they just don't like the stamen they only like the pistol or is it the other way around they had to, they had to pull out and then go to their new destination <laughs> they had to undock and redock <laughs> And it's a tight fit in Moon Moon. It is. They make sure they make sure you know. And that's why they have to use ninjas to surround the the Argama. I mean, Moon Moon hasn't had anyone dock there for like a long time, so it, you'd expect it to be challenging. Yeah. Yep. So uh, a bunch of ninjas surround the Argama, and everybody's like, "When the fuck are we? <laughs> These people. Oh, they're gonna hit us with spears. Okay." they're calling the mobile suits giants um they say oh we need to destroy those or we'll be in danger a little side note here you can see in the background they fixed the zeta's head at some point anaheim probably had them laying around yeah um they think the double zeta looks really dangerous um and they're like oh let's destroy it with bombs and then judo's like whoa dude no then listen you're gonna destroy the port too let's not Let's not do that. Everybody calm down. So some cleric-looking dude is uh, saying, and I, I quoted this just because it was a little over the top of this line. He says to Judo, he says, Ye who have come to Moon Moon, you must submit to the prophecy of the Light Tribe. So that's, that's a good way to introduce yourself and be like, we're not a cult. <laughs> All right, now destroy your Gundams. Yeah, so Judo separates the Zeta, the double Zeta, into the different core fighters. And um, the whole crew of the Argama, like, has to nudge each other into pretending to cry that they've destroyed the, the Zeta. Uh, I guess they didn't make them do anything to the other suits. I guess just because the double Zeta was the only intimidating-looking one that worked for plot purposes. <laughs> it's, it's the biggest one. Yeah. Right, it's it, it is. I mean, it is beefy. It, it yeah. looks intimidating next. You know, when you put the others next to it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I actually really liked. I, I found actually funny the part where they're crying about it being taken apart because the whole thing's a trick anyway. But it starts with Ellen Astonage, who are reading the room. But yeah. then, you know, you've got Bright doesn't get it, so he has to kind of lean in. Astonage explains it to Bright. And he's like, you know, then from him suddenly getting it and playing along, Rue is like, 
what the fuck? What, what's the big deal? Bright has to tell her, and then she does that same thing, and then Emery sees Rue do it, and Emery's like, Rue, what the fuck? And the process repeats again. Yeah. And then when Emery finally is starts playing along, she goes, oh no, our god. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pretty funny little scene. Um, so Judo gets beaten up and taken by some people while Bright talks to uh, this old dude, cult leader guy. Um, and Bright is going to be taken to their prophet. Um, and we learn that the only electricity that this group uses, aside from uh, the entire colony's like life support system, are the doors, um, because that's how you have to get between rooms. It's and only some chosen warriors are allowed to operate those. Yeah, it's only only those hatches, and it's you know, and then we we get through uh, you know the, to the colony interior. It's very green. There's some houses here and there. It, it, this is all just establishing where you are, and yeah. um, you know they've mentioned they mentioned on the way they've maintained total independence, and uh, it, it's it's if you can imagine a, a reservation is the best way I can I can think. To. I thought architecturally it was really interesting. It was very like um, like Aztec-y, like Aztecan or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it looked like the colony was essentially overgrown. Like it had it had started out as like a normal city colony, and then at some point something happened, and they just stopped growing. And then they, like the only building that's changed or been maintained is this random fucking Aztec temple in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never explained in any detail here in the episodes. I don't know if Moon Gundam goes into it because I've read all of five chapters of that if, yeah. if even but it really does look like it's a colony where a fundamentalist group if you will took over and is just being allowed to operate because they're not bothering anybody they're like you know what just they're they're kind of near side three they're on the other side of the moon if they do anything bad I mean, Zeon's the closest people to him. Yeah. We can leave yeah. them be. Yep. So inside the Aztec temple, we see um, Shara and Gotten, and they are at the temple offering to help the Light Tribe. Uh, and Bicha and Mondo are with them. Uh, they're And they make some comments to each other, basically. Like, they're doing this because they want to get on Shara's good side so they can you know, get money and do whatever they're trying to do right at this time. Um, so Chara dresses up like the locals and just starts walking around. Um, now, one one little bit here, Gotten does mention when Chara's like, I'm going to go sightseeing. Gotten's like, you don't need to do all that. We're just stalling until Glemmy shows up with this new ship. Yeah. And then Chara's like, I don't care. I like it here. I like how green it is. And yes, then she goes anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, oh, and I put that she is dressed like a tourist attempting to look like a native. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's hard with her hair to look normal. Yeah, that's true. So, Beach and Mondo are walking around the, the village that they're in, too. And they see Judo um, in this horse-drawn carriage. How about Mondo immediately starts catcalling? 
at this <laughs> random village. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. He did like whistle at uh, some random chick. It's yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so Judo is flirting with uh, this girl named Rosara, who is on the cart that he's on with. And he um, said, I wouldn't have come to this colony if you weren't so pretty. I was like, damn, laying it on thick, dude. But yeah. she was buying what he was selling. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get some of it. Um, yeah. And so the the carriage rides past Shara and then they're like, oh, let's kidnap her too. Judo seems to recognize her. It's like a new type recognize without the, the actual flash. Yeah, because they have never actually met. I mean, right. they have in mobile suit combat, but not... There weren't open cockpits or any of that, so that's... Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so they kidnap Shara and uh, head on head on forward. Yep. The, so the we learned that the colonists believe that one of the ships, either the Endra or the Argama, contains their messiah. Um, they don't really say what this messiah is going to do, but, you know, one of them is going to be on there. Uh, we learn that the prophet wants to spread the teachings uh, of the of the light tribe across the solar system. And this is Rasara telling everybody this. And she's basically like, you know, these are like back to nature teachings, like peaceful teachings. But Rasara says they shouldn't leave the, com the colony because they'll lose their way and, you know, they'll become violent like the outside world um, where the the prophet wants to leave the colony and basically spread the light tribe's message. Yeah, well, yeah, what Rosara is thinking here is if we go and try to convince people that are fighting that they shouldn't fight anymore, that won't work to do anything but drag us into it because people that are like that won't ever stop fighting. Right. And I was like, wow, this is one of the most like well-adjusted characters in Gundam. <laughs> um, so Gotten wants to use Lena as host as a hostage again, uh, since Glemmy isn't there. Um, and like he, he, he drops some hints about gassing some people in the colony. I think it's just knockout gas, but still like, an Axis guy gassing people. Hmm. Beecha finally decides this is going too far. Yeah. Um, so they strap Lena to a Gaza Sea. D. Oh, sorry. D. And start walking it around the colony. So it has like two pillars on the top of its head. And she gets strapped to one of them. And they're just like marching her around trying to pull out or drag out the uh, Argama. Yeah. And now th there's a interesting thing here i thought when the gaza d comes out it's been surrounded by boxes and it reminded me of what they did on shangri-la with the gallus j and like all the wine glasses and stuff like that yeah yeah they just were like how do we hide these mobile suits pile up a bunch of boxes around it duh <laughs> like the funny part is is like you have to get the suit there first <laughs> listen uh, mashima's looney tunes crew are experts at stacking boxes around mobile suits <laughs> they can hide so, any mobile suit with any box. So Judo, um, quote unquote, hears Lena and begs Shara to ask uh, the crazy captain of the Endra to release her. 
because Shara is pretty and she should be able to convince them to let Lena go. So this is, you know, Judo still not knowing exactly who Shara is, but basically saying like, hey, you're hot. Why don't you use them titties to make uh, the the Endra free my sister? You know, the other um, fun bit here is Judo does not realize that Mashima has been replaced. He wouldn't know that. Yeah, nobody and, knows that aside from the Endra people. Yeah, and so he's telling Chara that she needs to convince the Endra's captain, who is kind of a lunatic, to let her go, not realizing he is speaking to the captain of the Endra. Hey, both statements are completely true. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, uh -huh. Bicha at this point clumsily kind of steals the Arjarja. And this is as Gotten is ordering the Gaza Seas to threaten and take over the temple. Um, and he's clearly not a good pilot. No. <laughs> he's like, no. not at all. Here, there, and everywhere almost. Um, and then there's like a funny little scene where like, I guess they, they did this to emphasize that it's not just the mobile suits they're scared of. Like a car drives up. And the colonists are like, ah, it's a car. So they know what the car is, but they're scared. They, they're scared of it. They're like almost Amish where they have like technology right there, but don't ever use it. And it's like evil. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, that was actually, I don't know if I was supposed to laugh at it, but they're like, oh God, a car. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Judo sees Lena on the Gaza D and, um, Shara says she'll go get her released because Shara is not quite on board with what's going on with Lena. Shara says, this was all gotten. I am too pretty to do something like this. <laughs> That's what she says about herself. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm surprised she didn't like rip him open and is like, let me handle this. <laughs> yeah, but now at this point we get our first look at the moon moon inhabitants bowing to some of the Gazas and they're talking about something called the, the Kotl. Uh, but Rosser says, no, these are just machines from the outside. So a little bit of a hint of some stuff that yeah. is going to be uh, coming up. Um, but yeah. Did um, pronounce Chara... it Kotl like that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I, in my head, heard it differently. Which was wrong. I know it was wrong. But I heard cattle. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I think if you did a direct translation of it, it's like C-A-T-O-L, which looks more like cattle, but I yeah, think they, they went with coddle because if you're thinking like Aztec themed, I mean, it just looks correct. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so Shara throws a spear at a mobile suit, uh, hits its butt, and apparently mobile suits uh, can can scratch their butts because this one does it turns around is like what um <laughs> and she takes the suit uh because she's supposed to be going off to to release lena but as we all know whenever shara gets into a mobile suit she gets horny um so she gets too horny to remember that she's going to be releasing lena there are this is obviously executed very differently but there's a lot of uh, four and camille right here not on you know this is not meant to be judo and chara are in love by any means 
that's not how it comes off, but it's just the parallel of someone is not in a mobile suit. They are generally functional and normal. Gets into a mobile suit. Uh, loses it. Crazy. Don't want to be near them. Reason has left their mind. We we never get any indication that Shara is any sort of like cyber new type, do we? Other than her behavior at this point, no. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that I thought the same thing when I was watching it. I kept ask I kept having to like stop and like think about if there was any moment where they showed that because like all the other cyber new types, they kind of show that they are definitely cyber new types. When they always treat them with medicine and stuff too, and clearly she's offers. <laughs> um, yeah. So the core fighters begin flying around the colony, um, and then right before Shara sees them, she remembers to tell Gotten to free Lena. But before she can finish uh, issuing this order, she sees the core fighters and starts getting horny again. So. Uh, we almost had it, guys. We almost had the end of the episode, and she just had to get horny again. Um, so Bicha gets out of the Arjarja, uh, and Chara goes nuts once she gets into it. So, like, she, yeah, they switch suits. Or not switch. Bicha gets out, and Chara gets in. Gotten tells him to get out and says, oh, yeah, we brought it for you, even though he didn't. He's like, no, yeah. I can, I can spin this. Um... And then you've got Judo getting Rue's attention as he sees them flying because he gets a smoke ball from one of the ninja guys. Yeah. One of the guys in the cart. I, I wrote down ninjas all the time, but they are ninjas, ninjas sounds right. It just, you know, it worked. Um, so then now you got Rue and Judo trading places in the core fighter. Um, and so then he's able to take off, get El and Eno in stock footage transformation time. Yep. Yep. So they 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 do the double Zeta dock, and then um, Shara wants to fight Judo, while Judo is basically focused on trying to find Lena and get to her. Um, but they're fighting really close to the temple, uh, and there's a lot of people in and around the temple. So um, you know, Judo is trying to be cautious, and Shara is just like, you know, I want to fight, and just basically she. She grabs Judo, and then Judo has his beam saber out, and he just impales the R charges back, um, and then like pushes her away and says, "You need to get out of there, or you're gonna die." So Judo is stunned into inaction. He realizes he may have just killed somebody, uh, and that, and he knows who it is, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's killed people already, but this is who he was just talking to for yeah. the afternoon, right? And it's his new type abilities that call out and say, you need to eject. Yeah. And then you see that little pod pop out right before the Arjarja explodes. Yeah, she hesitated for a while. She wasn't going to eject at first because she wanted to fight. And then she just got out right as it was blowing up. Or did Judo accidentally Jedi mind trick that escape pod into flying out? We don't know. Yeah. So um, everyone determines after this that Judo is the Messiah and um, he forgives Shara because now she's out of the normal uh, out of the mobile suit and she's normal again um, and they go up to they meet 
Judo moves up to the prophet, who looks exactly like Rosara, but with more makeup. And she says, no, I am Sasara Moon and not Rosara. And the episode ends. Yeah, leader of the Light Tribe. And the episode ends, and it's actually the end of my Neo Zeon notebook. It, it, it oh. got full. Um, so I had to start on my new notebook, which is the Zaku 2 MSO 6F Owner's Manual, um, which was, <laughs> I was, thought it would get timed with the Zeta Zaku, and it was a couple episodes off, but that's okay. Pretty close. Uh, but, but that's about the only thing that changes here, because you just pick right up where we left off. Immediately. Episode 15, The Phantom Colony. Part 2. Part 2. Um, yeah, so Sasara wants Judo's help spreading the tribe's teachings, because he is the messiah, after all. Um, Judo remembers uh, Rasara's warnings about leaving the, about the tribes leading, leaving the colony and like spreading their word. Um... And he's like, no, snap out of it, um, Rasara. And he slaps the shit out of Sasara. Yeah, they. he thinks it's just Rasara trying to trick them. And he's like shaking her and then slaps Sarasa. And I, that, that pisses off the Aztec ninjas pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she has them put in a dungeon. Or ordered to be put into a dungeon. Uh, and of course the Argama and... Uh, and uh, Shara are not cool with this, so a brawl ensues. I like that this is where Bright finally decides that these people are insane. This yeah. is what it takes. That's all it took. Well, he's got to show off for for um, Emery. And they said take him into the dungeon, and he doesn't want Emery to know he's into that yet. Yeah, that's like a second date type thing. Um, yeah, so. They, they brawl, uh, Emery falls down the steps, and Bright helps, um, <laughs> helps, you know, get her back up, and is, like, he, like, covers her, and then, like, I, I don't know what preceded this, uh, maybe I missed something when I was watching it, because, again, I was very tired when I was watching this, but, like, it seems like he just randomly says, I have a wife. Well, so, first <laughs> Maybe off, his boner poked her? I like <laughs> maybe um for, that's not the only spear that was poking him um so first off credit to rue for in the middle of a melee getting out her gun and starting to just shoot rue um, is pretty badass she's weird as fuck but she is pretty badass no I, i'm gonna go on record and, and i think she's my favorite character of this entire series listen rue is a lot of people's gundam waifu for good reason okay it's just, you know, uh, it, it's like Nina without Nina. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so basically what happens here, um, Judo, is, as they're all running from this temple, Emery's in her Anaheim bunny business suit with a way too tight skirt. And Judo's running and says, Emery, lift your skirt. And at first oh, he's like, yeah, that's yeah. a random pervy thing. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that's very practical. Because she trips and yeah. falls. And uh, the kids, you know, run away. Bright goes to help her. But then the Aztec ninja dudes get all surrounding them. And Bright is very close to her, protecting her. And they're looking 
at each other bashfully. And that's when Bright looks away and is like, I, I have a wife. Yeah. As in, this tension is starting to go too far. Yeah. Let me address it yeah. directly. Because that will definitely help the situation. Yeah. Appropriate timing. Timing, Bright. Timing. I, I wrote down GG, Captain. <laughs> So, um, El flirts with Judo. They're off away from this battle now. Uh, but he says, you know, he's not interested in El because of Bicha. So apparently Bicha and El are in a relationship. And, and Bicha implied at some point that they were even engaged. And El was like, that's news to me. El is basically sitting there like, Judo, you can have me. And Judo's like, bro code. Sorry. <laughs> Even though Bicha and Mondo at this point really just, mm. yeah. So uh, Rasa's group shows up and saves Judo from a sneak attack. Uh, and they use like slings and, you know, all sorts of random shit to, to fend off Saucer's group. Uh, and Mondo is with them as well. Um... So we we learn that Sasara and Rasara are sisters. Sarasa. I'm sorry, Sarasa. I, I I guess auto correct. They're both. It. They're both three syllables. You just change the middle and end ones. Yeah. So they're sisters, and uh, and uh, Rasara. Did I say it right this time? Sara mm -hmm. and yeah. Sarasa, right? Yeah. Uh, has gone nuts since becoming the prophet. So basically she was elevated to the prophet and she let power go to her head. And she believes that war will disappear if they spread Moon Moon's teachings uh, around the solar system. Uh, and then like they kind of like something about peace using the moon waves. Okay. All right. All right. So <laughs> let me help you here, tired lane. Um <laughs> So first off, uh, Mondo helped them into the cart, which they were surprised to see. But Mondo being yeah. a, a decent dude. Um, if, if, uh, episodes, For this part of the show. I know, yeah. If episodes <laughs> 12 and 13 were Eno and L character building, 14, 15 picks up on some Mondo stuff. So, yeah. Um, so, they, yeah, Rasara is saying Sarasa has gotten carried away with this whole light tribe prophet thing and um, she kind of repeats her ideas from the last episode about the people waging war won't listen to that. And we get some trippy lighting space background time. It's starting to remind me of side six a little bit at this point. Yeah. A little bit. Um, and Rasara finally mentions what Moon Moon's teachings actually are, which is teachings of synchronizing our lives to the gentle rhythms of the moon's light and it kind of pans out and judo's like yeah you probably want to keep that here <laughs> hey so like, like i said something about peace with the moon waves <laughs> well and it's just it's a very double zeta thing for there to be a serious moment in judo being like yeah no um but there's something important here do you know, did you guys catch what this is? Right here, after he says that, before the next scene? No. No. Swan imagery. Oh, uh, yeah. We get our first swan imagery in Double Zeta, and I hit pause and I counted them. And 
here's the spoiler of how many swans there were. How many teenagers ran away from Shangri-La? Hmm. Okay. It's the same number. Um, so Elle goes on, says she thinks Sarasa might just want things to be like they were before people moved out of the colonies. Uh, Rasara says that desire to leave and spread the teachings is the mistaken desire of one who believes in power. So she drops that thematic bomb on us and then the cart reaches wherever it was going. Yeah. And yeah, so that they, they had this brief little scene where they went into this like underground subway and, uh, Mondo fixed it while they were kind of talking. If you don't understand yet that Sarasa is a, um, analogy for Haman, I just told you on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. So, um, Sarasa does not trust machine users. Um, they've they've emphasized this a few times, but like they they straight out say some of the stuff they've uh, alluded to before, and then she says, "Coddle stands as the uselessness of machines," and you get a you get a, this view of Coddle, which is like this. Uh, very circular. I don't. I don't know how to describe it very well, but it looks like three pillars of uh, of roundness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sorry, covered I'm, in grass. Sorry to interrupt you and go backwards, but we actually skipped one of my favorite parts of the episode. Um, oh, Mondo fixing the, the the trolley. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Well, because we're well, so when that when I said okay, they get to the cart gets to wherever it's going. Yeah. Where they're actually going is an abandoned like linear subway car area. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. There's a, and there's an interesting detail here though because she lights a lantern and Judo's like, "The fuck you got a lantern for?" And she goes, "Well, Mister, Mister Technology stuff. If this goes out, we will know that there are toxic gases in the area when we're down there." And they're all uh, like, "Oh, uh, exactly. makes sense." Yep. Um, so then Mondo uh, gets the little subway car working and Rossera compliments his ability with machines. And of course, Mondo, you know, he's around a pretty girl. And so he's like, oh, yeah, I'll do anything for you. And now this is this is one of my favorite parts. That's funny. Judo jumps in and goes, yeah, uh, or or you'll do anything to sell us out to the Argama. L piles on with, yeah, or you'll, you know, sell the Gundam for scrap. And then Eno jumps in and just says, we don't like you. <laughs> yep, he definitely gets trolled pretty hard right there. Yep. So yeah, so the next scene is where Sasara says or Sarasa says she doesn't like machines. We get a view of the coddle as a useless machine that's covered in grass and moss and whatnot. And um, Sarasa says that they will use their strength to enforce their views. So she's getting a little more hard line here um, because she knows they're kind of like pinned. Um, so Judo and his crew jump some people in the subway and they're able to free Rue, Shara, and Bright, Shara, Bright, and Emery. But they think about not freeing Emery and Bright who are tied up together. Yeah. Yeah. Judo very much hints that Bright is banging Emery. Um, so Sarasa offers pair with the Indra to stop the Argama. So yeah. she's based... She, huh? 
Oh, no, keep going. Yeah, um, yeah. so she's basically choosing sides at this point. Gotten swears loyalty so he can use the colonists, basically. He's like, everybody's like, uh, you sure you want to do this? And he's like, I, you know, I just got to do it. You know, the ends justify the means here. Um, he is following the Mashima strategy yeah. of befriending the locals. He thinks they can take the colony without firing a single bullet. But what talks him into it is Sarasa says, if we... Or excuse me, it's this guy uh, Roll. I don't think they mentioned his name. Until, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, like, until later. Almost the very end, but he was the guy from you know, episode. Armor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Roll says, if Sarasa becomes ruler of the cosmos, we'll give you your own colony. That'd be and that's, nice. That's when Gotten is like pretending that he has been uh, been swayed. Oh yeah, for sure. And so uh, he says, yeah, we'll help you. And he tells Beecha to go and disassemble the double Zeta and send it to the Endra. Yep. So Rasara is going to escort Judo to the double Zeta. And um, Mondo, uh, which autocorrected to Monday, <laughs> is going to go to the Coddle with uh, uh, Rasara afterwards to, to fix to use the coddle. Um, and then we get to see Glimmy for the first time in a few episodes, uh, as he and his new ship come up to the colony and he says, you must investigate this colony. Um, Judo and company run up on the double Zeta. Beecha is climbing up the, 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 uh, I don't know, the bamboo thing surrounding it. Some makeshift makeshift scaffolding that yeah got around it yeah yeah so beach is planning on disassembling it um so they try are going to try to get, get there before he does um Eno and l distract the guards that are kind of watching over the double zeta um while judo sneaks past them and uh while this is all happening mondo is working on repairing the coddle and we learned that it actually had a solar battery, so it uh, it had only really been in standby mode, and it was still kind of functional uh, this whole time. So he's just got to do some minor repairs to get it turned back on. Um, Judo barely manages to get into the double Zeta the whole time. Spears were get, kind of getting chucked at him, um, and. Uh, he gets into the, the double Zeta and takes off and terrifies all of the colonists. Um, uh, Sarasa says that Judo isn't her messiah anymore. Poor Judo. I'm sure he's going to have to take that off of his resume. Um, and Judo Joe takes out just a bunch of Gaza Seas very quickly. Now, so now, uh, One of them, though, he shoots and... It's like in the dock. Yeah, it well, it sort of falls. It's as it's departing, and he shoots yeah. it, and he takes it out. But then it falls further into the dock, and it explodes. And now he's worried he may have hurt Lena because he's thinking yeah. if she was on the ship and that, you know. Yeah, and the yeah. weird thing about that explosion is it seems to set off like a chain of other explosions that are kind of going off this whole time. The rest of this episode, pretty much. Yeah, but they're nothing specific. I think it's just battle noise. It's chaos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at this point, Glemmy is confirming yes. the Endra is at Moon Moon. It's under attack. He says, ready the Beiwu 
for me to go out. So we know we're going to see us a new mobile suit here soon. Uh, but first, um, Sarasa is running up to Gotten saying, you have to stop your machines too. We can't have all of this happening. And Gotten's like, no, we have to stop the double Zeta or there'll never be peace. And Sarasa's like, no, they can't move. This is messing up my whole plan. Um, You're fucking up my religion, dude. Yeah, uh, so we, we cut to Mondo and Rasura again at this point, and this is, they go back and forth to him several times, steps of him getting it going, and he is getting frustrated, so he finally gets it moving with the tried and true slam the controls and frustration method, which yep. is, I think, that's a great way to get any machine to work. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> if you're in an anime, it is, so yeah. he, he read that book. And, uh, yeah, Ross was like, all right, take me to my sister. Now we have Glemmy launching in his Beiwoo. Yep. And shout out flying through space. And it it finally does this again. We get a freeze frame with the model number in the name. Oh, did we? I, I didn't notice that one. Yeah, and it's actually the correct model number this time. <laughs> yeah. So it's like he he's there's lots of fighting and explosions going on through the colony. Um, as Gl- Glimmy comes in and, um, Judo is trying to fight off a bunch of Gaza seas to get to Lena as one of the Gaza seas is coming up on Judo. Uh, the coddle kind of like shoots one from behind and, and knocks it off. Um, and then Rossera or, uh, yeah, Rossera comes out and is like standing in its hand, I think, uh, or something. Um, and everybody basically bows to her. Yeah, so it's it looks a little bit like the Geezy. A little bit. Yeah, little it's bit. yeah. Um much simpler. And what Rosser is doing, she kinda like descends from like this platform thing that's on the front of it. Because this is it's a mobile worker, essentially. Right? Like and so it's and we saw on the inside it's got room for more than one person in the cockpit, so uh, yeah, she descends, they put it down, and Rosser's like, the holy relic has awakened to correct the faulty teachings of Moon Moon. Um, and, you know, Sarasa and Roll are like, hey, sees her. But then the Double Zeta and the Gaza Sea are still making rumblings, and, you know, they're like, Rosser has stopped them, and now everybody's mad at gotten to. So, anyway, uh, they go back and start working on that. Coddle comes in, kind of just steamrolls a Gaza Sea that Judo is fighting, and you get to see that the Coddle, it's its very, very big. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. It is 30 meters tall. Yeah, it's it looks like a... its It's got, like, a tower in the middle, kind of, for a head. It looks like a very large Zaku head, uh, and then it's got, like, four arms, like two like gripper claws one claw that has like a three pincers and then one of the claws is like a like a a gun basically like a shotgun or something um it's a weird design yeah it is again it's like a colony worker colony construction thing yeah it's really not some combat mobile suit yeah i think the gun is actually not even a gun it's like a like a torch or something like that yeah and it predates the one-year war, too, I think. Don't forget, it is also armed with brawn and bigness. Makes sense. Yeah. Um. So, Bicha starts fighting Mondo, 
for helping Judo and the Aragama. They, he's, they're pissed off at each other. Um, you know, Mondo's kind of like, well, it was the right thing to do. Um, and Bright exposes the old guy who, this is where we learned his name. You skipped, you skipped a scene. Sorry. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's still lots of, uh, chaos from all the fighting after, uh, Rasra is being bowed to and Judo is looking for Lena and sees Glimming holding her unconscious body. Um, he slams into the, the Bauu into the wall. And what a, what a cool shot that is, too. Yeah. I mean, Judo's pissed. He sees them get in there. And before, like, this is basically like he sees him get in the car. And before he can turn the key, he grabs that thing and slams it. Yeah. And they have the double Zeta looking mean. If, if Lena wasn't in there, I'm pretty sure Glemmy dies right here. Yeah. Yeah. But she and, is. And Glemmy demands Rue in exchange for Lena. Um, at this point, the Coddle destroys another Gaza Sea. Um, and, and now, when he's demanding Rue, he's also basically saying, Lena's in here, don't, you don't want to hurt this thing. And Judo's like, oh shit, damn, he's right. And that lets him get the thing activated and kind of kick the double yeah, Zeta away. Get away. What I thought was interesting here is after he flies off, Judo like takes a parting shot. He just like shoots the Endra. <laughs> but it doesn't really come up again as a thing. So Yeah. Um yeah, so yeah, this is where Beach and Mondo start fighting about helping the Aragama. Um and then we learn Roll's name for the first time in the last like thirty seconds of the fucking episode. We learn this dude's name that's been pretty important. Um yeah, so we learned that Roll was basically just using uh, Sarasa to basically to become more popular and get the hell out of the colony. He just wanted, he basically wanted to leave. He says he felt suffocated. But Judo's saying, dude, Axis and the Federation are leaving you all alone. Like, you're actually in a pretty good know. spot. Yeah, and then, you know, Roll's like, look, you know, we've been forgotten. And when you get lonely, when you're, you know, excuse me, he says, you get lonely when you're forgotten, and it gets worse as you get older, and he's, like, crying. And Judo, again, serious moment, dude crying, Judo says, to hell with your poetry. Yeah, he's like, dude, nobody cares about you. You should be happy with this situation. Yep, and he's like, bright. I heard new. there's a new Axis ship deployed. They got Lena. Let's go get it. We don't yeah. have time for Moon Moon anymore. And Bright's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Judo, like, re-emphasizes to everybody on Moon Moon that outside is scary. <laughs> and everybody, but they all, at the same time, everybody seems to be jealous of this small colony and that doesn't have to deal with the outside world. And Judo's like, he tells L, he's like, let's come back here after all this shit's done. Yeah, like, yeah, that was, was kind of nice. And, you know, I guess Anaheim thought the same. They just, like, drop a Sazabi prototype in there at some point, you know? And, yeah. and then, but then you have the, yeah. that, that ending. You have a, they give you a nice shot of Moon Moon, and then you have the, like, transparency layer overlay of the temple on top of it for some reason. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, this is, I don't know. 
there's good stuff about this and there's really bad stuff about this series of episodes. I I really like these two. In a, like in a vacuum on their own just watching these two I I think they're very entertaining. I think there's great world building. Uh, you get some character progression, mostly Lumando, but you get to see another side of Chara. Uh, you get the stuff of Bright and Emery, even if it is a little awkward. Um, you know, you get... It's really, just to me, a great way to... It makes the whole world of the Universal Century feel bigger by saying, hey, there's a colony out there that does its own thing. No one else lives like this. But they, you know, despite the internal strife that we see, they choose to live this way. And I think that's like I, I think in a future where you've got hundreds and presumably thousands, I'm not sure there's ever a real count given of space colonies. I, I mean, I think this is a maybe not this exact scenario, but to imagine that there would be colonies where there are groups that said, we want to go live here and this is our colony and we are going to live here. Leave us alone. Yeah, I think that's realistic because when that happens on Earth, bad things happen. Yeah, conflict happens, which yeah. is again I think part of the theme here too. Yeah, these guys were clearly uh, weird with their "you will achieve peace through the moon waves." <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't know. I I need to. I really hope more of. Uh, moon gundam gets translated because i'd like to sit down and actually read more than like the one half of a volume that i've read uh, yeah. i like i like the designs of the suits that i've seen from from that but um, the actual moon gundam is pretty slick yeah i got the i got the transparent one from the uh the premium bandai sale last year and i made that one it's pretty fun that's yeah, the cool. psycho plates are, are cool looking. Apparently, the coddle shows up again in in the manga. Uh, yeah, I did see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was looking for information on it, and some of the only things that came up were recent new type magazines where they were chapters of that manga because they're like, the coddle's back. <laughs> it has returned. Yeah, um, but there's really and speaking of like gunpla, there's no coddle gunpla. That's what I was really looking for. Uh, <laughs> I figured there wouldn't be. Um, oh. I forgot. I did take some notes on the Beiwu. Okay. Just real quick. I will be quick about them. It can split into two smaller flying modes. They're not shown in the show yet, but it can. So again, we've got our combining thing theme going on. Um, the Beiwu attacker is the top half. Do you know what the bottom half is called? The Beiwu defender. It's better. Beiwu bottom. Closer. <laughs> You're warmer. The Beiwu nutter. <laughs> Oh, no. Yep. Now, the nutter can be flown on autopilot or via remote control. So, basically, depending on your Minofsky particle density, that determines the control you have over the nutter. So, you can manage a nutter hands-free? Yes. So the, or via the, remote control. The, the maybe nutter, app. Maybe you have an app. The nutter can go off by itself. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sure can. It really sure can. Um, and, and that's a great way to make use of the six heavy missiles on the Beiwu attacker wings, which are only available to use in that mode. The nutting mode? I mean, the nutter mode? Uh, no, that's the attacker. Um, oh. anyway, 
Um, the whole thing has a the the one thing about this design in mobile suit mode, it has a two four troop grenade launchers in the arms. They look a lot like the Zeta Gundam's arms. It wouldn't shock me if somebody got real lazy and just was like, make them like the Zeta arms, and then we'll change a couple of the side plates. Um, and they they kind of do. Uh, the shield has the mega particle cannons like the Hamahamas. It's it's basically that Hamahama shield. Thing. The nutter, the the nutter does have the legs are like, uh, the oh man, the nutter does look like a nutter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. There's even a couple of round areas you can't see unless it's in the nutter mode. Um, so normally this is green. Glemmy's is red. I wonder where they got that idea. But actually, thematic, or excuse me, in fiction, what happened is. It was planned as yet another prototype. Mm. And Glemmy's is one of those, so it's a custom job. But this one actually goes into mass production later on, and those are a standard green. And uh, I am building the green uh, high grade right now. Is it, still, my... is it just called the Bawu? Yes. With the same model? Yes, AMX 107. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no distinction or I think really technological difference between Glemmy's and the mass production one other than the paint job. So, mm. uh, it, the, the kit's pretty old. It was one of my older backlog kits. And so I'm working on it and, uh, it's taking a little while because the shield for instance is, uh, molded in like a, a light gray color because that's what it is on Glemmy's, but they didn't do anything differently for it with the green one. And so a lot of paint, a whole lot of paint for it to look correct. Anyway, hmm. The, uh, they apparently have two different model kits for it, and I can't really see a difference other than the fact that if you don't want to paint, it's already red. Oh, yeah, and there is a newer um, 1100. It is in the re-1100, like a oh, bigger, nice. nice version. But uh, So I, I'm at this weird part in the Gunpla backlog. Um, sorry for the tangent. I know we, you guys no. are probably ready to go to bed. But, no, um, no. Hey, I'm working my way through my way too big Gunpla backlog, and uh, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of the start of the pandemic pile getting towards the end, and I reached this like pile of kits that was, man, why did I buy these? And then I realized I didn't exactly. <laughs> uh, there was a, a website called Gundam Store and More that is now defunct, but round about, I think, 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, they were trying to ramp up their business a bit and they started this like gunpla club. And when you like, you got, you know, things like free shipping, blah, blah, blah. It was like an early Amazon prime ripoff, but for a tiny like mom and pop web store. Uh, but they started this club. And when you joined for whatever a year, they would send you, it was like, we're going to send you a couple of high grades and a couple of master grades and stuff like, you know, they basically sent you a box of, of free kits, stuff they couldn't sell probably, but right. you know, whatever. Um, and the Beiwu was one of the ones out of that pile. And so I was looking, I have like a Beiwu, a GOG, this SD kit. I think that's where my Johnny Ridden MG Zaku 2 came from. Like, that's some of the stuff I was getting left. I was like, okay, let me, let me get some of these done. So, hmm. yeah, I thought, it, I, and I chose that one because we had just started CZ and I was like, yeah, good timing. Yeah. My, uh, pile hasn't gotten smaller recently. It hasn't gotten larger. Well, I take that back. I, I did get the blade Zaku Phantom, but yeah. uh, <laughs> my my, my pile's gotten smaller. Well, it hasn't gotten smaller. It's actually gotten bigger. Yeah, 
if I if I only look at the things I owned at the start of the pandemic, I'm almost through my backlog. <laughs> the problem is I have completely replaced it since because P band, I did all his wing master grades. And I was like, yeah, I'll have time for these when they come out. And I didn't. Now they're in a stack. Yeah. I, I did get the sand rock and the heavy arms. I feel like I got one or two other ones too, but yeah. I didn't get them I all. Ha- I have like the full slate of protagonist suits from endless waltz just in a pile. Yeah, Oops. I got, I got the I think the glory of the losers versions maybe I don't know. Time to get used to building that inner frame. <laughs> I have to do that about eight times. Great, great. All right, guys. Anything else with these? All right. I like Moon Moon. I I was dismayed to see, uh, looking on the internet about it, that, wow. There are some people that really, really hate these two episodes. There was one, uh, actually, MAHQ, which is a site I greatly respect and is a wonderful resource. Uh, but in uh, his comments on, I, I think, his episode 15 said that this is the worst thing of Gundam put to film next to G Savior. And I was like, wow, that's that's going way farther than, than I would. But, yeah, I disagree with know. that. Yeah. I don't I don't know what's worse, Yeah, but of, it's not that bad. I'm kind of surprised he felt that strongly. I was, too. Yeah, but hey, you know, uh, people are entitled to their opinions. But I think Moon Moon is one that is uh, uh, greatly misunderstood. So I hope some of this commentary helps you realize that it has a good place in uh, in the story, and it, it's really, I think, a better place than the episodes sandwiched around it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's so many of these episodes that could have been compressed or re-edited and made better. Um, it's unfortunate that, I don't know, it feels like some of this stuff was rushed through for one, some reason or another, but you do get a little bit of the keep in mind, kids miss episodes. They're going to catch a random one. Let's do a stretch of episodes that feel very samey to get them out in space, fighting battles in their new model kits. Yeah. So fair enough. Yeah. I get it. I get why it happens. It just, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, follow us on Twitter at NewTypeFlashPod and uh, our Obsuit Gundam uh, subreddit post. See you soon. Bye.